Amen. You know, one of the great joys of the last year has been uh, our ministry of construction that has taken place over on the next to the job site at the uh, fire training center. And our church has provided for the workers there lunch every Wednesday. And we have the next two Wednesdays, we need some sign-up for that. Back in the back, on the back table is a sign-up sheet. We need some desserts and some sides. Isn't that right? Yes, desserts and sides. So if you can help with that, I encourage you to uh, sign up over there and help. Uh, The meats will be provided, uh, but this will be just another way of expressing our appreciation and our ministry to the the workers there on site that have been working diligently. And let me tell you, the last two weeks they have been working diligently uh, to get us into this, and we are so grateful for that and so grateful to them for that. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to, uh, first of all, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I want to just, by way of sort of introducing tonight, look at two passages of Scripture and think about those a bit. I also, as I was sitting while you're turning to Joshua 4, you know, we... We sing that song in the heart of worship. And I have to admit that's, that is just such a, a meaningful song to me. It has been for a, as long as I can remember singing it. But I, 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 really, I really almost come to weep sometimes when I come to that cor- in the chorus. And it says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you. We live in a day where worship is everything from entertainment to political activism to uh, uh, social issues, uh, and all those have their place. The only thing is, their place is not in worship. You know, uh, all of those have a, a place for uh, thinking about uh, our country as being a, a great country and all that, but it's not in worship. Worship is to be a place where our focus is only on Him. It's all about Him. And it's about worshiping Him in all His glory and in all His truth. And and for five and a half years, uh, we have sought to do that here. We we have sought to make that the focus of our worship services. We we talk often. We talk in staff meetings. We talk in other places about how we want it to be from the time there's a call to worship until the time there's a, a, a ending, a, a hymn of commitment, that everything in the middle is a focus on Him and on ministry and on what He's called us to, on His cause, on His purpose. And and we we really have. I think reaped some joy out of being making that all about him. Now I'm not wanting to say that it's been all about us to make it all about him. Okay, it's not about us, not to our pat on the back or anything. It's just that it seems that God has gotten a hold of our attention in such a way, and maybe it's because of what we went through. Maybe it's because of what we've been through uh, in the life of our church that that we we just know that you know buildings and budgets and Numbers and all of that, they come and they go. The only constant is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only thing to base our life on and our church on and everything else is to base it on being all about Him. I want you to hear Joshua here. 
as they come across the Jordan River. They're coming into the Promised Land. Now, I remember saying a few weeks ago, and I'm going to contradict myself here, because I think I made a bad statement, okay? I said, I hope we don't view it as getting to Oakleaf Lane as arriving in the Promised Land. I, I really hope we do. But I hope we do it with the right vision. You see, the, the, the Israelites made a critical mistake when they went across the Jordan and into the Promised Land. God told them to go into the Promised Land and to conquer the land and to be a missionary people to all the people of the land. Okay? They went in though and just sort of said, oh, we'll let these, be. we won't go after these, we won't do this, and we won't tell them about Yahweh, we'll just worship our own, and we'll let some of their gods become some of our gods. But they were there with a purpose that God intended for them to be a blessing to all the nations. I pray that we will see ourselves as entering the promised land. Promised land's not heaven, it's not the end of the road, but it's just the beginning of the mission. I think even though we've enjoyed being here, let's, let's view the years in temporary exile, if you will, at, at uh, 120 Losi as being a time when we've been kind of wandering in the wilderness, moving toward the promised land. Now we're there. Now let's be used by God in the way that God intended, okay? And so they've crossed the Jordan. They're going into the promised land finally. And this is what Joshua tells us. So now, when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan... The Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying this, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the twelve whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean? Or in King James, which... Uh, it sounds almost like eubonics. What mean these stones? What do these stones mean to you? Then you will say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. A memorial to the acts and the deeds and the works of God. A memorial to say, this is what our God did in delivering us out of Egypt, bringing us through the wilderness, and delivering us to the promised land. That's why I've asked you to write stones. Talking about your, your own journey, your own experience, your own uh, reason for being a part of this covenant family, Grace Baptist Church, that we can put those together, we can share them with one another, and, and also we can share them with the generations to come. I look forward to some of your grandchildren one day picking up a What Mean These Stones booklet and reading what their grandparents said or their great-grandparents said maybe 20, 30, 50 years before as we crossed over the Jordan, if you will, into the promised land and the home that God has provided for us. This is not a mere exercise. This is not a mere casual thing. This is an important thing that we would do. 
You know, I, I was just thinking this afternoon for a few minutes about about what God had done, and I, I kind of I jotted down just a, a I say a timeline. It's four dates, but it's kind of indicative of, of seeing something. And and I thought about October twenty second, two thousand six. You might know what happened that day. Yeah, we met here in this building for the very first time at five o'clock in the evening after a, a very very uh, stressful day, to say the least. We met. I, I remember reading some of your stones and, and talking about how when you pulled in the parking lot, and the parking lot was full, and it wasn't as big as it is now, because we were able to expand it some, but how when you pulled in the parking lot, and you saw all those cars, and, and then you saw people, people that you knew, people that you'd just been with that morning, and, and yet there'd been tears that morning, and that night there were smiles. There were some more tears, but they were tears of joy. That was the night when it all began. Now, I remember standing back in, the, uh, in that end, because we had the chairs facing that way at that point, mainly because there was no power in this side of the building. And we had to punch a hole in the wall and run an extension cord through just to get a little amplification and one spotlight and a bunch of candles. You remember that? And we uh, and so we had it on that end. And I remember toward the end of the service, and, and I as we came over here, we had talked. Do you think there'll be 20 people there or 30 people there? What do you think will be there? I don't know. And 256 people here that night. And we, we came into this place, and I remember saying as we were getting ready to leave, uh, we didn't have any offering plates, or we didn't have any... We didn't have any Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets at that point. Got those later. Really, really kind of progressed with that, you know. But, but I remember saying as, as we got ready to leave, I said, listen, and actually Mrs. Uh, um, Cook, thank you. Mrs. Cook had a big basket, just a wicker type basket about this tall. And I said something to the effect, y'all, if we're going to do this, if God is leading us to do this, then we've got to have some kind of seed money. Uh, to, to do this with. We gotta, we've got pastors here who have left their jobs. They have families. and, and uh, It's not just about me. It's about all these guys that we need to support and need to take care of. When you go out, if you got just a little something, drop in that ba- uh, basket. I would appreciate it very much. And we'll see how God directs us on that. And uh, I think the four of us were saying, okay, we may get to eat this next week. And as people file by, they dropped it in. We put the money in a box. We didn't have bank bags at that point. We put the money in a box. When several of our men counted that the next morning, the count came to, and I'm rounding figures now, it's a little more than this, we came to about $78,000. And I went, Okay, Lord, it sounds like you're ready to do something. And from that point, it grew and it grew and it grew in our faithfulness, in our attendance, in our worship, we began to just see the hand of God in a mighty way. Uh, then uh, three years later, almost three years later, on September the 9th, 2009, we gathered in a congregational meeting on that particular day. Uh, we had had a site search committee. So, so what have I said? We had a site search task force. Whew. Boy, I'll wash my mouth out with soap when I get home tonight. A site search task force. And that site search task force searched the city. 
We looked at pieces of property, high and low. We had a couple of, we had one great offer just down the other end of Bogle on, on a piece of property about 15 acres, and it, it was a great, it was a great location, centrally located, and everything. And we were all excited about it. We found out from a from a land uh, survey type thing that out of 15 acres, only about four or five of them that were usable for a church. So we had our hopes down a little bit. We we kept going back and forth. We ended up having an offer. Someone offers the property on Oak Leaf Lane, uh, where we ultimately went. But they had a caveat. They said, there's 18 acres there. We want to give you 10, and we want to keep 8 of it ourselves. And we want to give you the 10 that is back in the backside, and we want to keep the front 8 acres to develop for something else. And we said, no, we're just really not interested in that. We, you know, we want the road front. So we went away. And he wanted about a million and a half dollars for that those 10 acres. So we went away. We, the, tie, the site search task force kept searching and uh, a little later the, the owner came back so okay, I tell you what I'll give you 14 acres of it uh, I'll keep four and I'll give you half of the road frontage and we said no we're not interested in that and, and it was he said but I'm going to cut the price to 1.2 million dollars and we said no that's that's no good and we went kept searching Finally, one day, someone called Butch Ledford and said, would you be interested in buying the property, 18 acres on Oak Leaf Lane? And Butch basically said, look, we've been down that road. Well, we've been offered it. We, we don't want it. We don't want part of it. You know, we're just interested in buying a piece of land and, and it's a little much and everything. And he said, well, the, the owner's willing to sell it to you now, all 18 acres for $1 million. You see the progression here. It keeps coming down. So Butch called me and he said, what do you think? I talked, we talked to the task force and, and, and my counsel was, let's make him an offer. That he can't refuse. No, uh, let's make him an offer. <laughs> and so I said, I just threw out the number, $800,000. And I, uh, you know, I, I, I thought, boy, I'm being really bold here, $800,000. And he took it. <laughs> then I wished I'd said $600,000. <laughs> but on September the 9th, 2009, just a mere three years after we met that first night, or just a, just short of three years, we voted in congregational meeting in here, uh, five, uh, 212 to 5, 97.77% to 2.33% to purchase the land. We put money down, that we'd saved up $300,000 in three years. Extra from what we needed on the budget. I remember one, I don't know who it was, I think I told you this, one person on their offering envelope, uh, one Sunday just out of the blue, gave an offering, I don't remember what the amount was, but it was designated for building fund. And uh, Sue said, we got a designation of the building fund. I said, we don't have a building fund. She said, well, we do now. And I think I came in here on that next Sunday, said, hey, we have a building fund now. And lo and behold, people started giving to it. And so we saw that money come, and we borrowed the money, and then within about nine or ten months, after borrowing half a million dollars to pay that off, I mean, to, to buy that plan, we paid it off. It was ours. Then, on December the 5th, 2010, just barely a year later, we met out there in the cold and the snow, and we broke ground. Just a year later. And then just a few months after that, on February the 18th, 2011, site work began. I'll never forget getting a call from Paul Francis. The bulldozers are here. And I said, where? He said, he's on the property. I said, oh, great. So I headed straight over there. And I watched them just start moving dirt. 
I'd never seen anything so beautiful in all my life. Just moving dirt. Didn't make any sense. The way they moved it, I didn't understand it, but they were moving dirt. And that's all I cared about. Dirt was being moved. Uh, during that year, we had... I mean, think about it. During that year, we had contracted with an architect and a builder. We'd come up with a basic plan. We'd presented it at church. Church had voted on it uh, to, to go forward with it. Uh, we received a, a miraculous gift from uh, uh, W.O. And, uh, and Lois Newell in their estate. Uh, of him putting everything he had into a trust fund and making Grace Baptist Church the recipient of 25% of the, uh, of the proceeds from that every year. And all of a sudden, uh, we find ourselves in a situation where we'll have money that we can designate for a building in addition to the rent we're already paying, a little over $110,000 a year. So we find out, we, we vote, we, we accept that uh, gift as though we would turn it down. We accepted that gift, but we said that 10% of it would go to missions and the rest of it would go toward capital, uh, a capital building and all of a sudden things started happening. Then God had us go out and talk to banks. We had to get a loan even though we'd be able to pay the payments through the rent and the, uh, and the, the trust fund. We were going to have to get a loan to carry it through and we, we went out and we went to a bank I went to, I think, five banks, and they were going to make bids. And uh, the ones that made the bids made the bids. Uh, one of them came in unbelievable at like uh, 4.75% for a seven-year Glock, amortized for 30 years. I'm using all these words that they told me. I have no idea what that really means, but I, I, it's good and was unheard of. And God provided it in all His glory. And so... You know, these are stones, folks. These are stones we don't need to forget that God was providing all along the way. And we may not go literally into a river and pull up some stones and set them down on the on the property over there, but we need to be writing these stones down. And you remember things that I forget. And you need to write those down. You need to write your heart down. And if you just come into grace in the last year or two years or five years later, you weren't here that, that night that, that all things kind of came together and began, I, I still want to know your heart of why, why you sense God leading to be a part of Grace Baptist Church. Because that was a, it's, you're special to this body. Every single person here is special to this body and a part of this congregation. So we saw that happen. Second passage, and I know I'm going way too long here, but the second passage I want you to look at is Psalm 145. Shortly after we started uh, talking about the stones, and I was only talking about the Joshua passage, Mary Parker handed me a, a, a piece of paper going out one Sunday morning. She said, I think this relates to your stones. And another good biblical justification for your stones. And so I, I read it and she was right. Psalm 145, 4 through 6. And I want to read through 7. One generation shall praise your works to another. One generation to another. Praise your works. Praise the works of God. And shall declare your mighty acts. Oh, the, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men will speak of the power of your awesome acts and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully 
of your righteousness. You know, you know, this section in the psalm focuses on the praise, uh, praise on God's great deeds as, as He has protected His people and watched over them and as He has fostered conditions in which they might flourish in, in true godliness. Uh, and, and then he says, you know, meditate on the mighty acts, the wondrous words, the awesome deeds. Meditate on His abundant goodness and on His righteousness and keep that ever before your eyes. And that's what I want the stones to do. I want us to reflect on God's mighty acts, His mighty deeds, His powerful actions as He brought Grace Baptist Church into existence and as He has continued to bless with His tremendous presence among our fellowship and among our body. So that's what it's all about. Now, I want to I stop just a minute. And I want to, I'll probably have a concluding word or two. But Jeff has the microphone here. And I'd love to hear you just share a stone, a brief stone, a small stone. Maybe this is like a David stone, you know, that he slung at Goliath. But a stone that really made a difference in your life related to the beginnings of Grace Baptist or the continuing of Grace Baptist. Just something you'd share with your family. We're just family here. Uh, Don't be bashful, don't be ashamed. Just take a moment and share that. So who will be the first one to share us a stone tonight? We've been here um, almost four years, between Palermo, and I had spent some time...